Christmas is usually filled with joy and happiness, not with fear and torture. Christy Baum went with his siblings to visit his older sister for Christmas one year, but the only thing they got for Christmas was trauma and the loss of a brother. Welcome to episode two of Christmas and Crime. Hey guys, and welcome to my podcast. I'm your host, Lulu, and it's great to talk to everybody again. I know we talked yesterday, but how are you? I'm great. Um, nothing new. We literally talked yesterday, and I'm here for it, and I'm excited to bring you another episode. Because I have nothing new, we can just kind of jump right into today's episode. The first episode that we covered was a little more laid back. Um, it was still a murder that happened. It was just kind of a simple stabbing, really cut and dry Today's episode is not like that. We're going to talk about a heartbreaking case that's going to have a lot more nitty-gritty details in it. So strap in. Now, Christy is technically a child. He is only 15 when all of this happened to him. If you do not like listening to murders and or torturing of a child, this is not going to be the episode for you. And if it's not... We'll be able to talk tomorrow anyways, and I'll just see you then. But even though it is hard to hear, especially when this happens to a child, it is important that we don't pretend like these things don't happen and we talk about them. And that's why I'm here, to tell you about the nitty-gritty and the horrible that happened to Christy Baum. Now, Christy was only 15 years old when he traveled to his sister's home for Christmas. This was a little family get-together. It was not just Christy and his sister. He had four other siblings that would travel there with him as well. Now, his sister did not live in the same state they did, which meant that they had to fly in to visit her and her boyfriend, who she was currently living with for Christmas. They had made set plans to stay there a little bit before Christmas and to stay over Christmas so they could all spend Christmas together. Now, the sister's name was Magali. I hope I'm saying her name right. Magali was born February 21st, 1983. She would move to Paris with her family at one point. They would open up a pastry business and a manufacturing line to make furniture. Later down the line, they would move back to their hometown, but still attempt to keep this business going. They would also send Magali to live with her mother's niece. And this is really when her childhood would turn. She was treated like a slave here. They didn't cut her any slack at all. They were absolutely terrible guardians over her. And they it was just a rough time. Later down the line, she would meet a man named Eric Bukibi? Bukibi? You guys, I don't even like... I don't even know. I tried looking that last name up. And everything said bicubic, and it is not. Maybe it is? It's spelled B-I-K-U-B-I. So we're just going to call him Eric. You know how I am with last names, especially I. Anyways, she would meet a man named Eric. At first, their relationship was amazing. It was picture perfect and everything that she could ever want. Eric gave her 
everything she wanted, at least until he roped her in. After their relationship would start, Eric would become very controlling. He would also become very abusive and would begin to refuse to let her do things like see friends or even wear makeup. Now, Magali, coming from a home that abused her and treated her like a slave, fell head over heels for Eric, especially because he gave her everything she wanted. And honestly, you guys, the abuse, the name-calling, the controlling, and all of that probably didn't feel that wrong to her because that's what she grew up in. Later, after meeting her, he would propose to Magali in 2010, and she would agree to marry him. Of course, this sent the whole family in fits of joy. They were so, so, so excited for them. Eric was very different, but Magali seemed to love him, and they were going to support her in whatever way they needed. Now, Eric was born in Congo in 1983. Eric's mother would unfortunately die during childbirth, and he was left to be raised by only his father. His father would practice and later teach Eric some forms of witchcraft. The particular form of witchcraft that he would teach Eric was the kind that would possess children. I always get a little bit funny when we talk about religions and things like that. Witchcraft is another one of those things. A lot of people have a very negative you know, picture painted in their mind about witchcraft, that it's sacrificing goats and praying to gods and telling futures and sending people to their deathbed. It is not like that. If you ever were to meet a witch that practiced, oftentimes they'll be very kind. They're a lot of the times just healers and sweet. They are not into the kind of witchcraft that possess children. This is evil witchcraft and is not, is not something that many people practice. Eric's father, though, practiced this form of witchcraft and believed it. He would teach Eric that somebody would be possessed by witchcraft. They would begin to act out. Um, he would teach him that if he ever saw this, he would need to save these children. Saving these children involved beating them, keeping water and food from them. He would teach Eric that the children being possessed could not feel pain of the person beating the evil out of them and that it was the only way to get the evil to go away. Of course, this, this isn't true. If anything, if anybody is starved for too long, it's not that they don't feel pain. Most of the time, they are too weak to react to the pain that is being inflicted onto them. Eric would go on to ask his father the signs of a child being controlled by witchcraft. His father would tell him that these signs would include peeing the bed, biting their nails, even stealing. Now, almost every single one of us has done one or two of these things on the list. And Eric believed in these things. Hell, to this day, I still bite my nails. And I'm not possessed. Eric had a little bit of brain damage, which meant that he was more susceptible to believing in these types of things and really taking them as the gospel. On top of that, it would also cause visions and hallucinations. He would see children running around. He would see rats. He would see a lot of things, and he would share stories of these that were not there at all. 
he would begin talking about things that would come and talk to him, and Magali would believe him. She believed that Eric was telling the truth, that he saw visions and children and evils, and he knew better. She just thought everything she couldn't see was because she was not as gifted as he was. Either because Eric was mentally unstable or because he could tell that Magali believed him, he would begin to share with her the dangers of witchcraft, what to do to possess a child, how to help the children being possessed, and Magali believed him. In the coming weeks, before the children would arrive to visit Magali for Christmas, Eric would begin to tell his girlfriend that he was having dreams and visions, that her brother was possessed, and that the family wasn't coming here to spend Christmas with them. They were coming here to kill them. And Magali believed him. These two had become so paranoid together, they were jumping from apartment to apartment to run from the evil spirits that Eric believed were following them. Then the children landed. They were going to see their sister for Christmas, and they couldn't have been more excited. The first few days were amazing. Everything they wanted. Everybody was in a happy mood. Everybody was seeing each other they hadn't seen for so long. And then things took a turn. Eric began to openly accuse the siblings of witchcraft. There was early signs. Early signs that Eric, as the days were going on, was getting more and more paranoid and more and more crazy. The siblings, knowing Eric was different, would try their best to ignore him. There was a couple times where they would turn to their sister for help, and she wouldn't help them. Like when things got really scary. Eric was convinced that they were all being possessed by witchcraft. They had brought witchcraft into their home, and that they needed to rid themselves of it. He needed to rid them of the witchcraft. Eric told them that they all needed to jump from the window, because they needed to see if they could fly. The siblings would look at their sister in an attempt to get some help, and all she did was encourage Eric, encouraging him that he was right. They were possessed. They brought witchcraft into their home, and they needed to jump from the window. At first, they made them pray constantly. They were praying the evil away. When that didn't seem to help, they would move on to refusing any sort of food or water, just like Eric was taught growing up. They moved on to torturing all of the siblings with a variety of things. And you guys, one of these siblings was only 11 years old, who was being subjected to torture by their sister. Like I said, they tortured with a variety of things. They were being attacked with knives, hit with sticks and metal bars. They would smash floor tiles onto them, glass bottles, hit them with hammers and chisels, and more. Anything they could get their hands on. And it wasn't just Eric. Magali was also beating her sisters. Then Christy, out of fear, would end up wetting himself. Eric was taught that peeing the bed and accidents 
were signs of possession. And in his mind, he knew who was the root of it all. Christie was the real one being possessed and possessing everybody else. He would begin to beat Christie more than the other siblings until finally, in hopes to get the beatings to stop, Christie would confess to witchcraft. This didn't stop anything because Eric was sure now that Christie was possessed. Things just got worse from there. 15-year-old Christy would be beaten by Eric and his older sister, Magali. On top of that, all of his other siblings were forced to watch and sometimes assist in beating the witchcraft out of Christy. Magali and Eric would have the other sisters hold Christy down while Magali would smash tiles across his back. They had the other siblings hold his hands down while they smashed his fingers with a hammer. They used a knife to slice his body open. They took pliers to one of his ears. They even smashed his teeth in with a hammer and a metal bar. This type of brutal torture would go on for three and a half days. You guys, when they would look at Christie's body, his body would show over 130 separate injuries that he had been subjected to. Christmas Eve would roll around. Christie was broken. He was begging his sister to kill him. Eric forced the other two sisters to clean up Christie's blood from the apartment. He would blast music as loud as he could while they did it and scream at them. And if it wasn't sad enough, you guys, a neighbor put in a noise complaint and nobody followed up on it. If somebody would have followed up on that noise complaint, Christy would have probably still been alive. Eric decided it was time to call Christy's parents. He couldn't get the witchcraft out of Christy, and in this phone call, he informed them that Christy was possessed, and that if they didn't come and get Christy, Eric was going to kill him to stop the evil and witchcraft from spreading. The parents desperately tried to get there in time. They had a six-hour car ride to get there, and they began that long ride to get Christy. I don't understand why they didn't call the police. Maybe they didn't think it was as serious as it was. And maybe they told Eric they were on the way and hoped that he waited. Christmas Eve would come and go and Christmas would roll around. Their parents weren't there to get them just yet, but they were close. Eric would force all of the siblings into a bathtub for a ritual cleaning. He would hose them down with icy water, as cold as he could get it. The bottom of the bathtub began to fill up with water, and because he had been withholding food, water, and sleep, Christy's body finally started to give up. 
on December 25th, 2010. His head would slip under the water, and he wouldn't have enough energy to get himself out of it. Christy would go down in the freezing cold bathtub, with his siblings being sprayed down in front of him. Either Magali and Eric were both blind to the fact that Christy was under the water, or they didn't care. It took them too long to pull him out. By the time they got him out, they realized that Christy was dead. And they called the police. When the paramedics arrived, they attempted to resurrect him, but Christy's body was done. He was dead. Magali and Eric were immediately arrested, and the other children, who were still alive, were brought somewhere safe to be assessed and warmed up and cleaned up. That night, the police got the other siblings out of the house safe. The oldest one, Kelly, when the police had them, would call her parents and inform them that they were safe, but Christy was dead. Once in court, the older sister that had been subjected to this began to talk about what was happening, or what had happened. She was 20 years old when this happened, and was 21 at the time. I I am not sure if she was too scared to stand up for herself at 20 years old. You never know what you're going to do in a situation like that, and I mean, she was ganged up on. I'm the type of person that if I was to go out, I would go out fighting. Um, but it's entirely possible that she froze or was so afraid of Eric or, I mean, you never know what was going through her mind. She told the courts everything that happened, everything that she witnessed and all of the trauma that she went through. She informed the courts that both of them were so obsessed with witchcraft, they would not leave the subject alone. They were convinced that the children were there to kill them, not for Christmas, and they needed to take care of them before they killed them. Both of them pled guilty on bodily harm charges, on diminished responsibility because of their brain damage. Basically guilty on grounds of insanity. (laughs) But nobody believed them. Eric tried to pull that again, claiming that he was brought up to believe this was real. He had brain damage, he was suffering from untreated schizophrenia, and Magali's defense was that she was manipulated and that she did not believe witchcraft was real, but she was manipulated and afraid of Eric. The surviving siblings, though, did not agree with this. They told the courts how Magali had absolutely no remorse for what was happening. No matter how much they baked, she would not stop the torture. She assisted in the torture, and she egged it on. If this wasn't bad enough for them, at least, and good for us, another woman would come forward who had stayed with them for a while. This woman had some anxiety, like me, and she would bite her nails. She told the court how Eric caught her biting her nails and would begin to withhold food and water and sleep from her for three days. Magali would sit with her and pray every day 
and every night that the evil would go away. They even forced this woman to cut her hair short to get rid of the evil witchcraft and the evil spirit that was possessing her. She managed to get a hold of a phone and call her mother, who was able to come to the apartment and to save her before anything else happened. They then informed the courts that after this woman stayed and got away, Eric decided to take his anger out on Magali. He forced Magali to eat off of the dirty floor. He gave her a black eye, and she actually ended up leaving him before later moving back in and then agreeing to marry him. Both were found guilty of the torture and murder of Christy Baum. On top of that, they were also found guilty on two other counts of assault. Her boyfriend would plead guilty on those early on, so that made his conclusion easy. Eric was sent to prison for a minimum of 30 years, and Magali was sent to a minimum of 25 years. The judge also stated that Magali had absolutely no remorse for what had happened to her brother, and she didn't seem to care at all, even now. Dismissing all of the claims that Magali said when she said Christy had forced her to attack him. The judge also said that if Christy was a witch and was practicing witchcraft, it was not an excuse to hurt him or to murder him over. You can imagine the trauma these siblings live with on a day-to-day basis now. Christmas will never be the same for them. How are you supposed to celebrate what is supposed to be one of the happiest times of the year when it's shared with the same date you were tortured and watched your brother die in front of you? There may be false or misleading information throughout this podcast. All facts have been researched to the best of my abilities, but accidents do happen. If this is a story you are interested in knowing more about, I highly recommend doing your own research. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.